recording, so if you, you know, jump in uh, and, you know, feel like you need to comment or whatever while I'm speaking, you'll be forever held accountable. Uh, so, there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing my little quick sound test here. That seems to be good. All right. So, let's, uh, let's maybe do, let's do some quick recap, uh, especially, you know, for folks who haven't been here, what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, let's see, we started out with talking about judging and not judging. Judge not lest ye be judged. Um, the room just got a little less happier because uh, happy little children left. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Judge not lest ye be judged, right? Then we talked about that. Um, Furthermore, we, what did I write here? Yes, we are effectively blinded by the problems we have in our own lives, by our own sins, right? We're blinded by our sins, we're blinded by our imperfections, and it's only by honestly and humbly pointing the finger at ourselves, judging ourselves, working on our own junk, that we receive clarity to interact with the world around us, that we receive clarity even to help the world around us, Right, help people through their junk. We have to start by t- dealing with our own junk, right? So we had uh, we talked with that. <clears throat> hey guys, you have something you'd like to share with the class? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just I won't. It's fine, it's fine. But you, if you do, you'll be forever held accountable. Okay, that's uh, right. <laughs> then we talked about loving our enemies. The next week, right? Uh, how do we love our enemies? Uh, well. Jesus brings our enemies into the same category as neighbor. That's what Jesus does. So we're to love our enemies like we love our neighbor. And how do we love our neighbors? We love our neighbors as we love ourselves, right? That's the famous, uh, famous verse everybody kind of knows. Um, and what does that look like practically? Well, right, we had Jesus telling us in John, well, actually, I didn't, I didn't tell you this, but I'll tell you now. In John 15, 13, Jesus tells us, right, that... Um, Love looks like laying our lives down. Uh, and then we did look at Romans 5, 6 to 11, where you know, we read that Jesus did exactly that. That's what Jesus did for us while we were his enemies. Um, and then in the story of the Good Samaritan, right, we have Jesus again showing us what love is like. And he tells us that it looks like risking our safety for someone else. Right? The Samaritan lingered on a dangerous road. Um, giving our time for someone else, interrupting our lives, giving our resources, including our money for someone else. That's what love looks like. This we are to do not just for our friends or our families, but for total strangers, for those we might otherwise hate, for those who hate us. And then, of course, right, we had... um, took a look at in Matthew 18 to uh, 21 to 35, where it seems that God takes it pretty seriously when we don't hold, uh, hold out the same love, mercy, and grace, and forgiveness to other people that God has shown to us. God takes that pretty seriously. So, took a look at that. And then last week we had David Campbell here, and he talked about running the race. Talked about being arrested by Jesus. Um, talked about the importance of being completely taken hold of by Jesus, right? So that 
running the race, following Jesus, is what your whole life is actually about. And I think that's uh, I think that's pretty pertinent to the things we were just talking about before. Because love is really, really hard. So why would we do it? Because we say we're Christians. Because we say we're following Jesus. Because we say this is what we're trying to do. Well, let's get arrested by Jesus. And let's really try to run this thing. We're going to screw up. We're going to be imperfect. There's grace for all of that. Absolutely. And David Campbell talked about that, right? But let's, let's make this what we're about. So, on that note... I'm going to keep uh, preaching the same very thing that I've been preaching for the last couple times, <laughs> uh, which is we're going we're gonna to keep talking about love. Yeah. You know, when, at school, when they tried to teach me how to prepare a sermon, they tried to tell me one scripture. Do one scripture, and I am breaking the rules, let me tell you. So prepare to um, read some scripture with me. Uh, let's do, yeah, Emily, let's, let's do these again, because I'm going to read these till you hate them. Um, yeah. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons or children, but sons means more than just child of, it means in the context, right, like heir. Um, you're like an inheritor, you're a representative of, right? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mature. Next slide. Judge not that you may be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Great. Now, today, we're going to go to... I don't have a slide for this, so... Sorry. I'm not very sorry. Maybe I should be. Anyways, we're going to go to Matthew 22, 36 to 39. Give you just a second to get there. It says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, On these two commands depend the whole law and the prophets. When Jesus says the law and the prophets, that means the scriptures, right? Um, yeah, there are actually whole like sections of the Bible that we think of as history or narrative or whatever that they would just call the prophets. Um, so, yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two depend the whole law on the prophets. On these two depend everything else. I find it really interesting, by the way, that Jesus, you know, someone asks him, what's, what's the most important commandment? What's the one, Jesus? What's the one thing we really got to do? And he gives them two. He tells them what the greatest commandment is. That's the question. But I feel like Jesus, I don't know, I've been noticing this a lot lately. He like never just answers a question. He's like, I'm either going to totally not answer your question or I'm going to give you more than you asked for. That's, uh, that's what he seems to do, and that's fun. But he, he gives them more because he can't just give them one. You want the greatest commandment? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? I think I'm uh, in strength in, in one of them. But, uh, but then the second is like it. You can't actually have the first one without the second one. Jesus is like, you gotta, you got to have this too. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And we read um, in 1 John a couple weeks back. Right? If anyone says they love God and they hate their brother, they are a liar. It's very direct. <laughs> so here Jesus is doing the same thing. You want to know the greatest commandment? I'll give you two because you can't have one without the other. And this is fun too, right? Something that sums up the law and the prophets. This sums up the law and the prophets. Everything in the law and the prophets depends on this. Where else, where else does that come up? It comes up in Matthew 7, which we read some of Matthew 7 a little bit earlier. So let's jump right back to Matthew 7. All right. In Matthew 7, we have the famous, not just this do not judge stuff that we read already, which is good stuff, but we have the famous golden rule. Matthew 7 Verse 12, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Both both these verses were in Matthew. Jesus said this twice in the Gospel of Matthew. This sums up everything. Interestingly enough, he doesn't mention the love of the Lord your God for all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in this one. Just... Treat other people the same way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law and the prophets. Maybe loving our neighbor is a little bit necessary for loving God, right? We can't just do the one and not the other. So let's take a look at the context of this again, right? We read the do not judge thing, right? That's, uh, that's verses 1 to 6, in there, 1 to 5 in there. Um, we also have... In Matthew 7, this thing, you know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And then... He says, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. It's a bit of a head-scratcher, I think. You know, like how, you went right from that to that. What are you doing here, Jesus? Well, he's ta- talking about not judging, and then talking about asking and receiving, and then immediately again is like, treat people well. And then right after that, he says, enter through the narrow gate. 
For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And then, the very next thing, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Okay, okay, this is heating up a little bit. It's going to get hotter. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What's the law and the prophets? Yeah. <laughs> Do for others, right? And, and this, yes, but and, and in this passage specifically, Treat others the way you want to be treated, right? These are all passages that most of us have read before by themselves. This is a Bible lesson, right? This little chunk. Well, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The one who doesn't love his neighbor. Gets better, guys. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell. And great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, and not as their scribes. Let me ask you a question. Do we treat this, all the stuff that I just read, as though it's with authority? We sure treat it as though it's with grace. And it is. I think it is with grace. But, I mean, we don't like the authority behind it. That was what was impressive, guys. At the middle of this is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Golden rule. And then we got good trees and bad trees. We got good foundations and bad foundations. We've got you're going to stay strong or you're going to fall apart. We've got you're going to be good or you're going to be evil. And it all... We've got the narrow gate and the wide gate, right? The, the gate to life and the gate to destruction. Did I get those in the right order? I did. And that all comes back to in everything, in everything, therefore. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. you you're asking in faith and stuff? Okay, well, I think somehow that too ends up being dependent on this. It doesn't say that explicitly, but the placement of it is pretty interesting. Actually, oh, man. I just got it. I made the connection right now. You are watching this happen live. Okay? 
The comparison he's making right, to giving, or for, for asking and receiving, is comparing fathers and sons, or fathers and kids, in this instance. Right? Ask, and it will be given to you. Because, you know, if you can give good gifts to your children, why would the Heavenly Father not give good gifts to you? But how does he, in Matthew, define being sons? Loving your enemies. Which, again, a few weeks ago, we connected some dots here. That harkens back to loving your neighbor as yourself. Your Heavenly Father, good Father, going to give good gifts to His children? Well, are you His children? And again, we do have a good Father. And there is grace. But we are told to be perfect. And thank God that He's helping us out when we're not perfect. But can we take it seriously with authority? Right? That, that we have actually been told to be perfect? Again, mature, like our, like our Father in Heaven, who loves His enemies. Loving neighbors, right? So, might matter. Might matter a bit. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. How would we like to be treated? What if you were an addict? How would you like to be treated? Think about that. What if you were on the street? How would you like to be treated? What if you were an addict, you were on the street, and you had alienated yourself from everyone you ever loved because you screwed up a lot? Screwed up big and you hurt them? You lied to them, all these people that you love? You betrayed them and you spoke irreparably harsh words to them. You are completely alienated from everyone you love because of things that you did and it was all your fault. How would you like to be treated? Generally speaking as the church, and who do we judge, right? Do we judge drug addicts? Absolutely, definitely, 100%. Do we judge people who smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol? Sometimes, sometimes, depending on who you are. I drink alcohol, I think most of you do too, if, I, if you're the people I was drinking with. <laughs> How about people with sexual addictions or other sexual sin? What about uh, someone who uses pornography or someone who's sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend? We judge those people. We tend to call all these folks sinners. People who really need Jesus. People who need to repent. Best case scenario, right? We will try to teach them the error of their ways. But more likely, we avoid them. We gossip about them. But here's a curveball. Do we judge the person who walks by a needy person on the street and doesn't do anything about it? Not usually. We don't usually judge that person. You walked by a needy person on the street today, didn't do anything about it? Whatever. That's life. It's just life. Well, guess what? That is in direct violation of what Jesus says is the law and the prophets. That is in direct violation of what Jesus says is one of the two greatest commandments, and arguably both commandments, because you can't love God without loving your neighbor. It doesn't work that way. He gives us the one big thing, and that act of not caring about someone in your immediate vicinity is in direct violation of that commandment. And these are not the people that we think of as sinners. Now, Let's not forget, 
a few weeks ago, the message to not judge. Right? So this is not, I'm not trying to tell you, okay, stop judging these people and start judging these people instead. But I want you to feel this. Where does the weight fall? What are the heavier things? What are the logs in our own eyes? Because I walk by that guy on the street. I do that. I know you guys do that. But I do it too. That's the law of the prophets, is to do something about it. So, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's it. Um, yeah, man, there's so much more. There's so much more. And I just don't know what to say. Um, pardon? Rob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, but you'll be held accountable forever. Well, I know. Okay. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I, I had, I had uh, thought about that, and I'm at peace. Good. Okay, great, good. You're on, rec- you're on record. <laughs> I know a lot of times people in a lot of churches will accept people with certain issues and, okay, come in, let's work. But then people who are gay will be um, excluded. Yeah. And there seems to be a particularly... It feels like you change first, and then we will check. Right. That, that kind of and yeah. so I, that's just, just like an observation and a yeah. kind of a, absolute, uh, yeah, a or a concern or whatever. And it's to absolute total hypocrisy, right? Absolutely. You know what? Yeah, we are going to go here. Cool. <clears throat> Jesus ate with sinners, right? We've talked about this before. Jesus ate with sinners, with the people that everybody knew were sinners. And people gave him flack for it. You know what he said? He told them to go study. You guys, you don't like me even sinners? Go study. He told them to go and learn what this means, okay? Let's go Matthew 9, 10 to 13. All right. So, then it happened. That is, Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. Uh, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. He's at Matthew's house, by the way. Matthew, the tax collector who becomes, you know, one of the 12 disciples, one of the, the 12 apostles. Um, but he is totally a sinner because he's a tax collector, and nobody likes tax collectors. And there's a whole bunch of them there, tax collectors and sinners. They're dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, remember the Pharisees, are the, they're the good guys. Like, in their day and age, we always think of Pharisees as the bad guys. In context, though, it's actually kind of surprising. The Pharisees are the good guys. They're the religious people. They're the ones who know their scriptures, their Bible. They've done the, all their memory verses. And they live righteously-ish. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. Okay, go study. (laughs) I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. Jesus says, go study, right? Go learn what this means. And then he quotes some scripture. Scripture that Jesus says is summed up in, right? Loving our neighbor as ourselves. And he's quoting Hosea chapter 6. Here we are, yeah. For I delight in, uh, in mercy rather than sacrifice. Hosea 6 6. And in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. 
The word that Jesus called uh, compassion there, um, again, there's languages that are going on here, right? The Hosea, the book of Hosea was written in one language. Jesus spoke a different language. Matthew was written in yet another language. So, a bit of word fuzz going on here. In Hosea, I delight in mercy uh, rather than sacrifice. The word, sometimes it might say loyalty, sometimes it might say compassion, sometimes it might say things like this. The word is chesed. Other places in your Bible you might see uh, where the word chesed is, you'll see steadfast love, loving kindness. Right? Often in the Psalms, you know, it's a time of the Lord's steadfast love, his chesed. That's this word. I delight in chesed in loving kindness, and steadfast love, rather than sacrifice. And in the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings. Jesus says, go and learn what this means. Figure that out. Figure out about how you're going to treat people. And, and this, is, this is worthy of note, because how do you love God? Let's go to the context of Hosea. You're an ancient Israelite. How do you love God? Well, you, do, you, you obey the laws, for one, definitely. How else? Sacrifices, burnt offerings. This is how you express your love to God. And God says, nope, I'm not having it. Because I want more love from you people. And I think you could read this as, you know, love for God. And actually, it's a little ambiguous. Because when you look at the whole context of this thing, it's all about, Hosea is, is you know, he, the writing is, is complaining about the people, Israel, for a combination of injustice towards people, their lack of care for, you know, different folk, and idolatry. These things are mixed together in the same pot. Failure to love each other and failure to love God. It's ambiguous. And God says, I want steadfast love, not sacrifice. And it's still ambiguous. Love for God or love for people? It's both. It's both. And Jesus is eating with tax collectors. Why are you hanging out with sinners? Go study. Figure out what it means to love God like this. By hanging out with people who suck. By hanging out with the hateable ones. And loving them instead. Micah 6.8 says something really similar. It's another pretty famous verse. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, love mercy, said again, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. That's what he requires. See, it's not, it's not just in the New Testament. It's not just in this fun little place where Jesus says, love your neighbors yourself. This is what it's all about. It's sprinkled around. It's in there. It's often in places when God is getting really mad. <laughs> um, he says, this is what it's about, guys. This is what I want. So, well, okay, no, you know, I'll say two more things about Micah 6, 8, or 1, whatever. Which is, again, it's just that in that context, if you bust open the context of Micah, it's, a, it's about the failure of the people to be fair, failure of the people to take care of the poor, and uh, instead they're hoarding their wealth for themselves. They're ripping people off. It's about economic disparity, right? And almost confusingly, it's connected with idolatry again. It's 
kind of weird to sort it out. Maybe because you can't. Maybe we don't sort it out. Jesus tells us elsewhere, I don't have this passage lined up right now, but you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Who's your loyalty to? God or money? The love of money is, in that instance, he's equating it with idolatry. And what else does the love of money produce? All kinds of evil, says Jesus. All kinds of mistreatment of other folks. All kind of bad injustice, right? It's all there. It's all in here. The verse says all evil. It's not even kind. It's not all kinds of evil. Oh, you took a good look. Thank you for that, Bavica. All right, all right, interesting. Now, I still like all kinds of evil because I, I think that does communicate the sense of it because I don't actually think that Jesus is saying that all the evil in the world comes from the love of money. But it produces all the evils that are in the world. Every evil that exists, love of money will produce that. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, all of these things, every single one, it always points back, points back to love, love of neighbor, which our enemies are wrapped up into now too because Jesus made it even harder. He made it more intense. Everybody gets into this. So I will stop rambling now. I've given you a whole lot to chew on. I don't have a punchline. Jesus gave you several. Pick your favorite. Um, actually, don't pick your favorite. Pick your least favorite because that's <laughs> probably the one you need. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray. God, thank you for your word, and thank you that it's challenging. Help us, Lord, to receive the challenge. Help us to do this. Help us to not be selfish. Help us to be creative. Help us to, to, be courageous. Help us to not be married to our plans today or our five-year plans or our 10-year plans or our retirement plans. Help us, Lord, to, to figure out what this means, to figure out what loving you looks like, how to really love the people around us. And Lord, have mercy on us. Ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, as is our tradition here, I will turn off the microphone so that you won't be held accountable uh, for uh, ever. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll open it up for discussion, questions, comments, and whatnot.